Hello, 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 and welcome to There's This Thing at Work, the podcast where we delve into the workplace issues that are usually swept under the carpet. We're here so you can stop listening to your friends, partners, and parents telling you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. Tough situations need honest and direct answers, and in There's This Thing at Work, our panel of people experts are going to find them. Welcome to There's This Thing at Work, your friendly neighborhood people people. It's a place to go where you want someone to tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. And today you've asked our agony advisors, two people on my leadership team don't get along. How do I resolve this? Wow, that's a big, scary question. And to answer it today, we've got an amazing panel of some massive experts in the people space. Um, I'm going to hand over to introduce, starting with you, Charlotte. Thanks, Jess. My name's Char, Charlotte Hamill. Um, everyone calls me Char. And I'm the COO of Born Social. Um, I've been at Born Social since the beginning, which is eight and a half years now. And uh, I think the team is probably the biggest reason for that, honestly. Um, our leadership team especially is both super challenging, but also really supportive, I think we always know that constructive exchanges are coming from a super good place. Um, and and ge- genuinely not a day goes by where I'm not still trying to keep up with them or impress them. And I just think I really respect them and care about what they think of me. And we also have a laugh. Um, oh, Raj, I'd like to hear you next. Sure. Well, thank you so much, Shah. Um, so I'm Raj, Rajiv Day, the founder and CEO of Learnably. Uh, I've never really had a proper job, so I've always run my own companies and say the best leadership team I've been on is is the current leadership team that we have at Learnably. Um, uh, So yeah, really fortunate to have a fantastic group of of six diverse uh, individuals to work alongside. And next we've got Tom. Thanks Raj. I'm Tom Frain. I'm the Chief People Officer at Bulb. Um, Obviously we all have our current leadership teams. Uh, the one I'm working on is is still performing at the moment. We've got some new members. So I'm going to look back to uh, the first leadership team I was part of at Innocent. Um, what was amazing for me about that leadership team was I got to work with some people who'd been managers and mentors to me earlier in my career and who'd really helped my development. And it was just an awesome space to step up. Um, and like they created a great development environment. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that experience. Nice. And I am your host, Jessica May, the current VP of People at Whereby. goes without saying that I would like to say my favorite team is the current team I'm in. Uh, But prior to that, I really, really enjoyed working in the leadership team at Wonderbly, Um, especially in 2017. It was a really special place. We had some really tough challenges, but we enjoyed each other's company so much. It was genuinely fun to solve whatever challenge came before us. Um, Great. So let's get stuck into the big question today, team. Two people on my leadership team don't get along. How do I resolve this? I think a good place to start is I've had some people before tell me that the relationships you have with people at work or in your leadership team is something like a family. And actually Ben from Charlie HR wrote a really interesting blog a few years ago about uh, founders relationships being actually more like a marriage, uh, which is I think an interesting take. So what do, does everyone on our um, panel today think? What kind of relationship should we be aiming for here in our leadership team? How how good is good enough? 
And just picking up on that, so as a, as a solo founder, I don't have the benefit of having a co-founder to work with. So I do rely very heavily on the leadership team for their, for their support. But I, I too, similar to, to Charlie HR, uh, believe it is, it is like a family. I do see my leadership team and, and even the wider company as an extended family. And with any kind of relationship, even family relationships, you do need to work on them. And there is going to be misunderstandings, but I think it's important that you sow the seeds and, and create the strong foundation and, and create that psychological safety within the leadership team so that you really fully understand each other, each other's perspectives. And particularly now with the, the kind of shift to, to a more remote uh, workforce where you may not see each other face to face, it's to create those opportunities to really come together uh, and to really ensure that you do, you are all on the same page. Okay, so we've got one point for family relationships. What about you, Sharon Tom? I mean, I I do agree. If if you can get the get the relationship feeling like a family, that's great. Like in the sense of. Um, almost like that blood is thicker than water type thing at the end of the day you you figure it out you work together your family like that kind of sentiment I get but I feel like it's that you know it's quite an intimidating goal to set so like we need to create a team that's as close as a family um so I didn't wouldn't want anyone to to suddenly go like oh god my team doesn't feel like a family what an awful team we are um so I, I think as a base level, the, the the thing that I would be aiming for first is respect. Yeah. Because I think everyone, you know, at a leadership level should have qualities that are there, are respectable. And I think if ever there's anyone you're struggling to work with, it's maybe you're just having to work a little bit harder to find those qualities that you do respect. And I do think once you find them, actually that does wonders for building those bridges. So yeah, I think absolutely we should be aiming to create leadership teams that are that are really close and can challenge each other and um, in, a, in a really healthy way but you know until you get to that point I think there are easier goals to start with. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna hop in there uh, thanks Shah because I think the family concept is a really interesting one and it, it makes me wonder whether people have different families so on that I have. <laughs> So like, yeah, the, same thing. The, like the, the way in which your family is at its best is like you stick to, you stick together. You can be really direct with each other. Um, but if I think about the way that my family spend time together, we also like slip into the worst version of ourselves really easily and regress to some like weird childish state. Um, and so I don't know. I don't know that family is necessarily all of what you aspire to as a leadership team. I think um, I think some of some of those qualities are really good. We talk about wanting our leadership team to be like a sports team. Um, and so that's a team where like everybody is bringing their best game. Everybody is aiming for the same result, but everybody is also there to help one another, like step up, get through and, and do their best. Now, if you can combine that with some of the, with some of the, like um, some of the qualities you get in a family as well, I think that's a really good, that's a really good mix. Yeah. I think well, just building on the family thing, though, for me, what it is, is that the, you are in this together. And I think particularly in an early stage company where times are tough, it's not just it's not just about kind of a doggy dog and, and that it's just you. And it doesn't matter what's happening to the rest of the, the team. Like my department's thriving. I'm doing the best. And that's kind of what I take away from the family analogy is that that you are in, you're, you're doing you're in a collective okay. and you just can't just dump someone if you mm. if you don't like them you're not getting on with them you need to work on it and I think that's personally but I agree there's, there's lots of flavors of family and family dynamics yeah uh, but that's what I kind of take away from that particular analogy 
Yeah, I like to think about it similarly, like a com- it's like a community, right? Where you've got, you know, someone has to come and deliver your post. You don't need to like the postman or get along with him, but if he does a good job delivering your post, then he's doing a great job. Um, and I think that's the way I, I try to think about it in a, in a leadership team context is if you're working together respectfully, doing the things each other needs to succeed, then you don't need to be best friends. You don't need to want to kind of spend Christmas together like you would your mom and dad. Um, and some people out there are probably shaking their head and screaming, no, I wouldn't want to spend Christmas with my mom and dad. And that's also fine. But um, yeah, I think there, there are different types of uh, approaches to how you should see your leadership team. I think we can agree, Shah, that the base really is mutual respect, right? So we should assume that this question is not just our team doesn't get along like family or like best friends, but rather maybe that they they aren't showing each other the base level of respect. So what kind of effects will this have on the rest of the team, the leadership team and the rest of the company? What, what would the outcome of this kind of thing be? I suspect you might start seeing kind of passive aggressive behavior or people undermining each other when uh, potentially, you know, if, if they don't have that, that respect. And, uh, but I think it's important on the rest of the leadership team to, to call that behavior out and, and not to let that fester. Because uh, I, I totally agree with Shah that, that you, you have to, everyone there is there for a reason and they do have their own qualities, but, and it's important to really uncover that um, so that you, you, you do foster that kind of baseline level of respect, as, as Shah said. Uh, yeah, I think, I think um, we should never forget, or anyone should never forget that as a leadership team, we are constantly setting examples for others. And I think if it becomes clear that there's a lack of respect in a certain dynamic, um, respect for those people begin to get eroded. And then another kind of, another compounding effect is that the respect for the leadership team ends up getting eroded as well. So it it is, it is a serious issue. If we are, if you are noticing that in your organisation, you should not uh, underestimate the importance of getting that resolved um because yeah i think particularly if it's two founders you know any leadership team is is a sign of kind of stability and leadership but if it's two founders that are actively involved in a business if there's a tension there people will very quickly start worrying about the future of the business and what this means and that, you know when you're when people are trying to do a good job that's the last thing they need to be worrying about so um yeah, like humans are uh, very sensitive animals. <laughs> like we we can sense these things, even if you think, oh no, but we only argue in, in meeting rooms. People can't see us. Like <laughs> like they can, <laughs> they really can feel it. And there's like healthy tension and healthy conflict can drive teams forwards. And in some respects, like some people within a team not necessarily getting on kind of personally. And that meaning that they surface some of the debates the team needs to have, that can actually, like potentially that can be positive. But yeah. like, you, like you say, Jess, like reading into this question, it sounds, like what's, it sounds like what's going on is people who don't get along and the fact that they don't get along is either impairing their judgment or their ability to have good conversations and that's affecting the team's performance. And that's, that's a proper problem. Well, interestingly, I think some of those characters that might be at risk of not getting along, often it can be of like because of an underlying almost values difference. Mm. Um, but actually, they could be really well positioned to play that quite challenging role in a team to bring different perspectives. Um, so I do think teams should be encouraged to see almost disagreement as a good thing. Um, it, you know, diversity of thought is super, super important. Whereas I think we need to make sure that we are also showing teams how to resolve 
those discussions and I think that's a problem so I wouldn't I wouldn't want people to take away from this discussion that you know conflict or disagreement or tension is bad actually in doses as you said Tom it's it's a really productive thing in in many cases it's just making sure that that loop can get closed Mm. and yeah people can see that 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 respect that's still there for each other yeah we um we love to say presume best intent at whereby which is particularly important when you've got uh an extremely diverse geographic cultural team um, it's really hard to kind of apply the norms of behavior across borders and experiences. Um, and I find presuming best intent and starting from there really helps. But one of the, I think, other questions about this is the role of people in these kinds of conflicts, the role of people operations. Um, if two members of the leadership team, whether or not you're in it, are having like a real spat, like a disrespectful, uh, really unproductive conversation, What's our position as a people team uh, to resolve that? What what should we be doing? I mean, I've got a first. I I do think it's a it's a people issue. I think um, as someone that feels responsible for the environment and the culture of a company, I take things like a bit like a lioness very seriously if it's impacting an environment that I've worked mm. very hard to create. Um, so. Yeah, I I'm not super patient with with <laughs> things like that. It's, especially if if I do sense like there's a lack of respect going on. I actually think mm. we are all adults, you are all smart people. You should be able to work together in a mature way. So my personal approach is quite quick to 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 jump on anything that is kind of budding like that. Um but I guess like my guide rope is our company values. If I feel like there's been a breach of company values, that kind of that warrants that gives me that kind of permission to to go but you know I think I'm quite emotionally invested in in the culture that we've built at Bourne so I would be interested to hear if someone else has a different opinion. I would say that actually it's the role of the CEO and founder to really step in ultimately it's the leadership team you're all peers Um, and if your people person is on that leadership team great and they can flag it and they can kind of give advice but I really think this is the time for the founder CEO to step in and address this they're ultimately going to have one-to-ones with each of the, the, the people that are not getting on and really to try and unpick what is underlying that. Is it a lack of understanding? Is it lack of trust? Is it lack of respect? Uh, and they need to have that kind of a coaching conversation to really unpick that. And, and maybe it's just a lack of awareness of uh, how that's being perceived. And, and sometimes you need to just have that mirror uh, kind of uh, put in front of you to say and just call out that behavior but I think yes there is a role for the people person but I I think it's more than that it's really the founder or the CEO needs to step in yeah I um I guess I share the same radar as you like if I'm in my leadership team I'm sat there being extra attentive to the conversations that are going on and the dynamics that are happening but at the same time if there was conflict going on between two people and everybody else in the room is kind of turning around and looking at me or like sending me sending me messages being like, oh, it looks like we've got an issue here, then like there's a problem in that leadership team, right? Everybody should feel empowered to step up and address that. Um, yeah. But I think like you, my, my spidey sense is particularly attentive to that stuff. I really agree with both, both sides actually here. I, I, I really believe in the CEO stepping in and solving leadership conflicts, but I think it's the people and the rest of the leader leadership but the people uh, team's role to kind of highlight this is a kind of amalgamation of all of the feedback we've gotten that leads to us believing this is a real problem. This is the outcomes of this problem, mentioning these kinds of things we talked about, like 
you know, rippling on lack of respect, kind of undermining the values of the business. Uh, but I really do believe that the CEO should be getting seriously involved here. I, I really dislike as a, a people, people, people person being kind of put into this role of like mediation counselor. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you're, I don't want to be the nanny of your relationship. Like you should be able to sort this out amongst yourselves to some degree, especially for the leadership team. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. They're like, you're good at this stuff, you know. Yeah, but I, think, I think you can yeah. be the I think you can be the person who notices it first. Yes. yes. And you can be the person who raises it and then makes it a thing that has to be worked on. Yeah. And can contextualize like how big this problem can be as well. Yeah. Because sometimes people see, you know, I've worked in a, a business before where there are two members of the leadership team that uh just had a very weird relationship um, and used to kind of get in these little spats during leadership team meetings um, and had that same thing you were mentioning before, Shao, where people would come and be like, oh, yeah, like, that was a bit weird, wasn't it? Like that was a bit uncomfortable for everyone in the room. And you'd reflect that back at them and they just were like, oh, it's not a big deal. No one, you know, re- no one really feels that uncomfortable. It's just like, it's just what happens sometimes. And I, I had to really take the position of contextualizing it. Actually, this is what it makes people feel. It makes people feel like they shouldn't bring up any kind of constructive criticism or constructive conflicts because it's going to end in this weird spat, which makes everyone else feel uncomfortable, which means we're avoiding making decisions together. And giving all that context should really help. Um, but what happens if the person that's not getting along isn't getting along with you in the people team? What happens if it's someone on the leadership team is really struggling with the values in general and how to tell if it's gone beyond uh, what is capable of being fixed or you know re- repaired? I think what we one thing we haven't necessarily delved into yet is is the where this behavior is coming from and generally yeah. that's where I tend to try and start is to not yeah try and treat the symptom and if I do pick up on something early or or someone else is telling me about something like this I'd always say why do you think that is have you had a conversation with saying that you, you know you're not really seeming yourself or you're seeming quite retaliative at the moment like you know is there something going on is there anything that I can do to help you know, that might get battered away at first, but I think it's always worth trying to understand if there's wider context causing this type of behavior because you don't have a chance to solve it if you don't understand that root cause, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there are two dynamics that make it particularly difficult. One dynamic is if it's you as the people person in conflict with someone else on, on the leadership team. Um, and then, like, your first option is to try and sort it out yourself, um, but also. I, I guess you can apply the same principles and, and try and talk to your CEO to have them help mediate. The second thing that's difficult is if the conflict is with the leader of the team. So um, is the conflict between a member of the team and the CEO? And then sometimes that is when it is your role as, um, as the people person to get involved because um, there's mediation required that neither of those two parties can do on their own. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think on to kind of uh, figuring out those underlying symptoms, as you mentioned just then, what kind of things can you do to try and get under the skin, figuring out kind of what's caused these kinds of conflicts? Raj, I feel like you'll be good at stuff like this. You're just very sensitive (laughs) and diplomatic. (laughs) (laughs) So I I suppose I can talk about some of the things that we do in our leadership team to try and avoid getting into the situation in the first place. And and I think that's all about creating um, those kind of uh, sense of, uh, understanding of each other and where you, you, you come from. And so 
you know, we had a leadership away day at my house recently. Uh, now that we've gone full remote, we've, we're finding those opportunities to bring the leadership team together more frequently in person or, uh, you know, separate kind of teams uh, to also meet up. And one of the activities we did, a, it was just kind of, it wasn't Strengths Finder itself, but a kind of a spin on that uh, where effectively we were, we kind of did a self-diagnostic around our core kind of strengths. And then we shared that with everyone and we, we kind of talked about some of the strengths and some of the areas of development uh, just to, you know, talk a bit about what do we bring to the table? What, what's that kind of perspective? But there are different kind of these kind of psychometric tool type thing like insights or, or whatever you can use. And I think, the other thing that we do as a company is, is this exercise called Who Am I? Where you'll do basically a presentation about your life story and really just understand where you come from and some of your pet peeves and, and why you act like where you, where you act. And I think the more you can bring the real you to the company, to the business every day, the, the better you foster those deeper uh, connections, that sense of respect. Uh, and camaraderie really comes in. And that I feel, because I just going back to the previous kind of conversation we're having around conflict, I actively encourage conflict because I, I want that kind of diversity of opinion. We, you don't want to always be agreeing all the time. And there are, mm. and, and you know, myself and our CTO, we're quite polar opposites. And I know whenever there's going to be a conversation, he's going to disagree with stuff, but I actually welcome that. And I, and I, and I, and I go into that meeting welcoming to think like what's Toby going to say about this and, and, and I but, but that's what I love about about him and yeah. what he brings to the table um and, and and that I think it's really important that you understand the kind of personalities of the people in the room the the, the perspectives they, they come from their are their their appetite towards risk and 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 uh, and I think that really helps as I said foster that level of psychological safety and helps you mm. avoid getting into these kind of issues I'd say yeah that's such great advice yeah I think um on top of that so we that's like some of the interventions that you can do like immediately that will help some of the stuff that I've seen in leadership teams that I've worked in over time is sometimes these conflicts can come up as part of people establishing themselves in the team as part of them building relationship with one another um and they can actually be like you know that storming i mean i know a bit old school but like that storming phase of of teams getting together and so sometimes the thing that helps resolve this is doing something really galvanizing and difficult together as a team in which these two people's like probably competing skill sets and worldviews um end up working to the team's advantage um and that's a much like obviously where you accelerate it right by having some of these conversations but sometimes actually this stuff only moves when you when you work together achieve things together and, and succeed together yeah i love that because like channeling the energy yeah <laughs> yeah that's so good um I was also I was thinking about some of the causes that that does cause it I think sometimes mm. that can that might help us also contextualize why some of these uh, solutions might work but as I said I think clash of personal values every, actually every time I've seen a conflict at work or experienced a bit of a rub myself I've always either had to think about their values or actually had a conversation with them about their their personal values and generally there's there's been something that, there that's quite obvious that we've got different priorities but it does help you empathize with their opinion and, res and respect and value that opinion more um, so that's one part. Um, a really like deep, quite psychological uh, 
thought Ooh. here, I know, um, is sometimes people do project uh, other people onto you. So if you are feeling friction from someone, you might be quite a triggering person for some reason that you might not know about to yeah. that person. And again, like that's, I say this because I think I've, I've seen this happen and they like, for some reason, they just really remind me of like this old colleague that we just really didn't get along. And every time that person used to undermine me <laughs> and that person, this new person is not trying to do that, but they just a feeling like they, they are in an implying they're going to before they actually have. So actually that's really good to resolve almost by them talking it out and getting someone to acknowledge that they are feeling that way and then explaining that to the other person and then hearing the other person say, oh my gosh, I, I promise you, I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. And that is a good way to try and help air that laundry, but does take quite a lot of a personal conversation and acknowledgement for the other person, which you might not always, always get. Um, and then I think a really obvious one, um, and well-run businesses hopefully don't really experience this, but you know, running a business is hard. Having aligned objectives is really, really important. And yeah. Most leadership teams can understand that there's various routes you can take to get to the top of the mountain. But if there are two different mountains in the picture and you don't realize you're on different mountains, that is going to create problems. So Mm. I think from a very operational perspective, it's making sure everyone is aligned on what the business is trying to achieve together. Um, Because, yeah, if there's if there's disclarity there, then that's a recipe for for this type of kind of falling out, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I really think that clear role descriptions and objectives make such a massive difference, especially in new teams, as you were saying, Tom, when people are kind of putting a bit of stake in the ground in terms of what their what their role is and what they're going to be doing, having that clarity around what we expect and where we're going, I think really help avoid kind of unhealthy conflict and mm. conflict that's about keeping Legos. I also really liked what you said about um, the projection um, because I, I do think there is definitely something in that, especially even from the person asking this question, right? They may be expecting this kind of rosy, beautiful relationship and projecting a little bit of fear. Like maybe these two people are, you know, just having conflict and they have actually unreasonable expectations about how close and family-like the leadership team can be. And I think there probably is some reflection that may need to happen from this person around like, what is a good relationship at work and what does that look like? And you have to kind of draw the line and accept what some constructive conflict looks like. Um, mm. And then reassess whether or not these people really are not getting along or just having, you know, a less rosy work relationship. I think a lot of it also just comes down to basic communication. So one of the things that we uh, are doing more as a leadership team is not just using our the weekly forum as a whole leadership team to come together, but more kind of one-to-ones among, across different members of the leadership team. And so I think, so, you know, sales with product or product and operations. And so making sure that those members of the leadership team are meeting more frequently, talking more frequently, airing any grievances or problems or challenges. So it's not when you come together as a whole leadership team that these things just bubble up and then there's a clash that you have the chance to have those regular check-ins with with your colleagues and your peers uh, on an ongoing basis. We may be... um all projecting some of our previous experiences onto this question. But I'm imagining or maybe remembering a situation where, like, you do all of that stuff, right? You invest loads of energy in making sure that you've done your insights on Myers-Briggs thing with the team. 
It doesn't work. <laughs> you invest all your energy in making sure that everybody's got clear role descriptions and they know where they're going and it still doesn't work. You invest all your time in making sure you're having good conversations and it still doesn't change it. And at some point, um, at some point, you, you do just have to get the two people together in a room and have somebody put in front of them what, how they are behaving, um, the impact that it's having on the business and the impact it's having on the team. And, um, and uh, I suppose, encourage them to come to some kind of resolution themselves. Because um, it is easy to do loads of this stuff. And actually, you're, you're like, this still hasn't worked. Yeah. And I think also not being afraid to say, if we can't resolve this, this is going to be the consequence. And so often, knowing what the consequence is, that can sort things out pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I think, you know, Raj's point that he made right at the beginning, which is like relationships are work. It's it's really important that no one underestimates that. And you know, I I run born with with Ben, the CEO, and we could not be more different. But as soon as we kind of took on that leadership together, we, you know, we met for breakfast every single week. We make the effort to talk about our personal lives and getting to know each other. We always start our Monday briefings with, how are you? How was your weekend? What's going on with you? Um, you know, and he's a very close friend of mine after all these years. Um, but there's absolutely the possibility there that, you know, he's on one end of the spectrum, I'm on the other there's actually every reason for us to be clashing. And I'm sure I irritate him sometimes, but it's understanding the, the strengths that each other are bringing to the table, the different perspectives, and then, you know, I guess, nurturing that that relationship um, consistently. You can't just do it like once a quarter and like, or give it a good month. Uh, <laughs> you do have to keep, keep working at this stuff. And and that, yeah, does the world of good. And as, as Raj said, you can't just expect to come together for a monthly meeting and uh, for it to, to work nicely. Yeah, I think also you can't expect to kind of implement some of these things we've talked about, like clear role descriptions and objectives and a nice away day. And then a week later be like, why is the conflict still existing? You know, it takes yeah. a long time to resolve these kinds of things, especially if somebody has, you know, someone's really busy, uh, they have lots of things on or the people are very different. And I think having that patience to allow the change happen is also really, really important. Absolutely. Um does anyone have any stories that they would like to share about situations they've seen similar to this and kind of how things resolved, like real world examples of things getting better or not getting better? And can, what could have we done better? I've got an example. I mean, it wasn't, it didn't necessarily, no, actually, I think it's got an example. So um, <laughs> we had quite a consistent lead, we have a quite a consistent leadership team. All the leaders within our business joined within the first couple of years of the business. Um, and we had a new business director come in um, who had loads of different new ideas. Uh, and that's what actually we really liked about him. He, he was bringing new things to the table and challenging our thinking. Um, and he, and a couple of few years later, ended up leaving under really good circumstances. But in his exit interview, he was talking about how sometimes he just felt he had to try, try and fight a bit too hard to get ideas through. And so... I kind of wish we'd had that feedback shared, you know, a little bit, a little bit earlier because we should have done a better job at reinforcing to him that we really enjoyed 
that challenge from him, where our reservations were coming from, because it was from a lack of experience and actually probably a place of fear that might have created more patience with him. And I think the only reason it didn't result in actual conflict is because he actually was just very patient. Mm. Um, But someone less patient, I can foresee that playing out differently. Um, But as I said, either he kind of took him, yeah, swallowing his feelings a bit, which isn't great. But um, had he been speaking about it quite early on, being like, you know, I feel like I'm trying to push things forward here. And sometimes you're just kind of saying, oh, no, but maybe this will happen if we do that. Or maybe that will happen a bit more. Yes. And would be really motivating for me to work with. Um, uh, so, yeah, it, it, it didn't result in a lot of conflict, but it could have. Yeah, I can think of tons of occasions where this has happened because of a, a values clash. I mean, it's usually like a values clash with one individual and the rest of the leadership team. Um, and that's sometimes that happens when you've made when you've made a hiring mistake. And maybe that just stands out loads more on a leadership team because somebody's mm. behaviors are magnified. Um, mm. And with more junior team members who grow with the organization, they have some time to sort of adjust to the values in a different way. Whereas as a leader, um, while you still have that time, you need to get pretty fluent pretty quickly. Yeah. I've got an example before in my past of two members of the leadership team that were really struggling uh, to see eye to eye on some some significant challenges. And I just out, I outsourced a large part of the problem to a coach, right? I, I gave them both a leadership coach um, and explained the challenges they were having with each other. And actually that third person to kind of project back and act like a mirror for some of the concerns they were seeing and feeling really helped both of them. And it took a long time for them to come around and still having conversations about how the conflict was going and centering it around, we need to improve this one thing. This is, this is, this is a real challenge and this is what you're working on with your coach. Um, it did really help. It did make a big difference. It's one of those things that's, I think if you're cash strapped, it's quite hard to justify. Um, but it really, it really can make a huge difference, I think. So it is worth, I think, an investment. Um, and I've definitely seen it be successful in the past. It's a great tip. Yeah, I think with, the, with that third party, obviously you feel more safe to really say what's on totally. your mind, which you may not want to share that with your peer. Uh, and in a way, a, a coach's role is to be confidential and impartial, mm-hmm. and, and but they will have the, the techniques and, and tools to get you to that end end goal and, and really un- uncover what it is that's driving that that's that, that behavior uh, within you so I think that's a really great shout yeah and also sometimes I mean I've had before coaches tell me this maybe this isn't just the right place for you because you're having conflict with someone else or there's a, there's an issue here that's unresolvable and sometimes hearing that from someone else is more productive than hearing it from another member of your leadership team like having that confirmation of like there's an underlying values clash here. And sometimes the other person that you're, maybe it's not directly you and someone else, maybe two people in your leadership team, having one of them hear that might actually be really beneficial just to have someone reflect like, this probably isn't going to get better for you. Mm, yeah, so true. It's so tough. True. It's really tough. Um, okay, great. So I think the the last final thing, um, this person has specifically asked, how do I resolve this? I think we've given some great tips on things that they can do. So uh, we've mentioned things like uh, if they're on the leadership team themselves, doing some uh, leadership team away days, making sure other people feel safe to flag the problem, uh, building trust, understanding respect, doing some self-reflection and thinking about whether or not they're maybe projecting 
uh, a higher level of friendship that actually is required for work and also some projection about whether or not someone's actually seeing the problems they are seeing in the conflict they are seeing or whether they're maybe a little bit imagining it or projecting it on themselves. Um, we've talked a little bit about getting an external third party potentially to help resolve these conflicts or maybe just someone calling it quits and saying there's a values misalignment here and it's not going to get any better. If this person's still out there wondering if there's one more tip or trick, one thing they could go away and think about, does anyone have any one last thing they'd like to share to help resolve these two people in the leadership team not getting along? Go on, Tom. I feel like you're going to say something. I would just say, I would just say that um, just be be honest and, and, and address them individually and just call it out and say, look, from my third party perspective, it seems like there's an issue here. Just talk to them about it. And, and, and if you do have that level of, camaraderie between yourself and, and them as individuals they may be forthcoming and, and, and telling you what's kind of really going on uh, mm. but but ultimately you really do need to just be honest and, and, and have that a direct conversation with them in order to be able to step in and, and support them in resolving it yeah, yeah I think yeah. I'm going to build on what you said Raj whenever I spot something like this in a team that I work in I get a sinking feeling because I know that therefore it is now my responsibility to say something about it um, and so like a personal principle of mine is the moment that you that you notice that um, you go and have conversations, um, not to resolve it, because I think the problem for this individual is they probably can't resolve it. That's kind of where we started in this conversation, but at least to like put it on the table so that people are looking at it and they understand that it's there. Because a, a load of conflict in leadership teams, you notice like the leadership team itself pretend that that conflict sort of isn't happening maybe it's a very british maybe it's a very british shah any last words of advice no honestly i think i think we've we've covered it all i, I think there's 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 hopefully heaps in there for this and i hope it helps whoever you are yeah absolutely i uh you know I, I don't think like tom said i don't think you're going to if you're out there listener i don't think you're going to be the one to resolve this but there are definitely things you can do to help uh, your leadership team get through it and hopefully see light at the end of the tunnel as you all continue to work together with lots of trust and respect. Um, we love having your questions come through to us here at There's This Thing at Work. Uh, the juicier and the media, the better, the more con- controversial, the better. We love a good yarn about what we should and shouldn't do about some difficult problems. Uh, so please continue sending them in. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Jess, your host today on There's This Thing at Work, and you've been with Tom, Raj, Charlotte. I'd like to give a big shout out to Melanie and Ben who help us produce and uh, range these podcasts and uh, everyone out there listening as well. I hope you have a lovely day and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.